This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 25, toward the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house! Ball poked away by DeJulius. Diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett. Fires ahead to Adams Woods. DeJulius for three. Good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight. The one-handed catch. Hands it off to Marcus Jones. He has tackled it to 34. It. And it is over. Zero losses. Zero doubts. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that? Hello, listeners new and old. Welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Feeble the Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, who is here chomping on some chips. And we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats every single week, once or twice a week. But we're here this time. So, Steve. There's a lot to cover in a short amount of time, but Luke Fickle left, as we all know. We talked about that last week, and down to the wire, pretty much an hour after the portal opened, we decided to hire a head coach. Get us up to speed. Yeah, so uh, like we said, uh, there was a hiring on Monday morning at about 7.50 Eastern time of Louisville head coach Scott Satterfield. Uh, he is taking the trip up I-71 uh, and joining the Bearcats uh, on a six-year deal. Um, so he was the mystery man all along. We had talked about how, like, you know, there was a couple candidates that we mentioned, but uh, his name never came up at all. And now, number one, I think that's just because people thought he might get fired. Uh uh, maybe not the greatest look for the new head coach to, to uh, be on the hot seat, but um, it's also the, th- the thing that uh, he was recruiting last week. I, like, there was a, from the Louisville side, there's been talks about how he was not get, given an extension this year because uh, he was, you know, told that seven and five wasn't good enough and we needed to be better, but he's on the last two years of his deal. And like, they, like he kind of just called up his agent and was like, Hey, let's figure something out here. And Jimmy Sexton got in touch with John Cunningham and was like, Hey, uh, I got a guy here for you. So um, I I do think there is some merit to this hire. Um, I'll read off some stats later, but this is just my initial reaction. I liked it. Um, I wasn't over the moon for it. Um, (laughs) That Justin, I had this brought up to me because I asked some people, the last unison hire that everybody really liked for football was Mark D'Antonio. And that was 20 (laughs) years ago. So it's been a while since everybody's been in unison and We've seen it recently in college football, home run hires do not really work. Like, you know, how many of those home run hires that we've seen just end up getting fired like four or five, six years later. So I do think there, it's possible that this could be a good hire. I don't think anyone should shut this down. Um, Obviously the job is a a better job than uh, Luke Fickle got when he, when he came here, but there's a lot of more expectations now heading into a different league. Um, but I think the thing is, though, you know, he he did have a good first year. He had a pretty decent 
last year at Louisville. The middle two years were affected by COVID for sure. And um, I think UC, we got to think about this too, Dustin. UC was one of the rare programs that was not really affected by COVID. And we lost two games because of it. But, you know, UC was organized during COVID. And it just sounds like Louisville was not really that organized during COVID. Can, so, can I jump in here real fast? I'm going to let you continue. But I would also just like to say on your note, he started in 2019. So you you go right in. You have one season to try to get things rolling. And then the next season is COVID. How, how are you supposed to capitalize on that? That's all I have to say. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. And I, th- I think that's a great point, Justin. Um, so he comes up here, obviously, with a 25 and 24 record at Louisville. But he was really successful at App State. Um, you know, he's a North Carolina guy. So maybe it was just a, like they, I really think it was just that he was the second guy last time when they wanted to hire Jeff Brom and Jeff Brom ended up going to Purdue instead. Oh, sorry. He was at Purdue at the time and ended up staying at Purdue instead of going to Louisville. And all reports are that they're going to basically drop whatever bag they need to, to hire him (laughs) again this time. So, um, but okay, here's my cons real quick. And then I'll hand it back to you, Justin. Um, Think about it like this. Was there ever really a knock it out of the park candidate from day one? No, other than Dion. And I, I, I think Dion brings his own thing. Um, I'm fine with He's UC really not. Yeah. And I'm fine with you. Yeah. It's Louie. Yeah. And <laughs> I do think it's like a thing where, you know, UC wants to be risk averse right now. There's already a good foundation here. You don't need to build a foundation it's already here we're handing scott satterfield the keys to the kingdom just turn the engine and go and so but but back to my point no real outstanding hire number one um i think a lot of fans were looking for some guy and i think it just all caught us off guard because luke fickle i think is the perfect guy for this job justin and i don't know why he got spooked off by the big 12 i don't know why he got spooked off by like recruiting an nil when he probably could have adjusted to it a little bit earlier um, and really taken that opportunity and ran with it. But he's the old coach. Now we got a new coach. Think about it like this, Justin, my second reason for a negative, he could be a bridge coach. He could be a guy that does all right, does not do that well, but we know that John Cunningham is kind of risk averse. That's why he went with Wes Miller. And to me, this is a Wes Miller type of hire. This is a guy who has experience, a North Carolina coaching candidate, which we know that John Cunningham likes now. So the women's soccer coach probably going to come from a North Carolina background. So watch (laughs) out for that. But think about it like this, Justin, that we have a parachute now with this big 12 money coming in. Um, And if it's three or four years out and it's just really not working, it's hard to be the guy after the guy. And, you know, you come, you go back to where, you know, next time, if this doesn't work, then you just move on. But I'm willing to believe in the track record that UC has had of hiring head coaches from other schools and continuing to win uh, because obviously this program has had success here. And um, I've been way too long winning, but I'll hand it off to you. But I think it's, you're crazy if you, if you just hate this out the box and aren't willing to at least give him a chance to maybe try and recoup something with an administration that's there and not a literal tire fire like Louisville is and always has been. Yeah, absolutely. I I 100% agree with that. I think, I think that's one thing that people really, really, really avoid looking into for some reason. But if you look very honestly at Louisville's program, 
look what happened to their basketball program. I mean, look at what it was with Rick Pitino. Granted, they had success, but investigation ridden. You 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 go to football, you're 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 already problematic. It's getting all over the place. You're having problems there too, and then you go back to basketball again. You're still having the same problems, and it's like something is wrong there and it's been very clear and it's clear that he's wanted out too, because there was the whole thing with uh, South Carolina. So like, it's, it's one of these things where like, I don't know. I, I'll just put it this way. There's, there's, like you said with this, there's pros and there's cons. I think cons out the gate. Yeah. He might be coming out of a situation where Louisville wanted him gone. Is the fan base, is the administration really trustworthy enough to, you know, give a good cue on whether or not that should have happened? Was all the backing there? Was all that there? We don't know, but it did look like he was kind of on his way out. I think that obviously is a big con. Another con, I I think this, this goes hand in hand with kind of what I said earlier in playing devil's advocate, but there's, he, he hasn't done anything crazy at Louisville. He had a very quick turnaround to start, which looked very positive and then plateaued. I think, I think, you know, you should expect that going, you know, into your fourth year of your contract with Louisville, you should be an eight or nine win team in the ACC. Who do you have to like, who do you have to beat? You got to beat Clemson. Of course, maybe, you know, last year you had Pitt who had, you know, a, a, just a big year for them. You have, um, you know, a team like Wake who might perform really well, but like a team like Wake and a team like Pitt, Louisville over the course of time should be the team that should be beating those guys with no problem, even if they're having a great year. Louisville should be that program and they're not. And so I don't know what kind of went wrong there, why things weren't really working, but to my pros, I think the the what seemed like a key, the two biggest key things and were very clearly shown, like this works for this hire, NIL is a priority. He knows how to use it. Look at the recruiting class. It went from 40, 40 something or 70 something up to a top 20 recruiting class within four years. And it went from 40 to 20 once NILL was like legalized. So it, that clearly shows he knows how to do it. And Louisville is a, is not a team that's been exactly raking it in as far as wins go either. And he's been able to do this. So I think that's a huge thing to pay attention to a, and then B he is a proven winner. Sure, it might not be exactly how you might expect it or want to look. He's not, yeah, there's there's nobody in this coaching cycle that you're going to look at and say, well, why can't we get the 11-win coach? Why can't we get this guy? I mean, maybe last year, if you look at a guy like Sonny Dykes, you know, when you're going to the situation where it's like, okay, you have a, you know, 10, 11-win kind of, you have a double-digit win kind of coach you might get lucky with that, but you're not going to have that every year. And who is that this year who mysteriously ends up in the, you know, coaching carousel? That's Luke Fickle. Like, I mean, it's, you have a really good coach. I think Sonny, you know, kind of, it looked like it was his time to go. I think I'm still perplexed as well as to why this timing is just bad or why, why this timing isn't like the best possible timing to take advantage but I don't know if it maybe part of it was performance. I don't know if he was one foot out the door the whole year or what. But what I do know now is that Satterfield is our coach. And I think that this is one of those things where, like, you just kind of got to put a little faith in the program. I mean, it's it's one of those things where if you look at the success of this program, we've had over the past, 
let's see, uh, 2000, let's go, let's go back to 2007. You've got Brian Kelly, Butch Jones, straight to Tommy Tuberville, straight to Luke Fickle. Tommy didn't really work out, but that's one little period of time in that span of a lot of seasons. And he and even won a conference championship. And he did. Yes. Like, I mean, he had, he had a downturn of course, but like, this is one of those things where like, we've rode steady even through, you know, what seemed like adversity when you have a coach leave, you're like, shit, time for reset. Now is this timing really sucky? Yeah. Because we're going to new conference. This is the last, this is the, this is, this is, you know, we waited so long for this to happen. We would have hoped that this happened. Remember we were trying to do this with Tommy Tuberville. (laughs) Like I want people to remember that. Like we were looking at the big 12 and imagine if we would have got in there and you have a coach like Tommy Tuberville and then you're trying to get a guy like Luke Fickle to catch up to speed, but he doesn't get the chance to play American teams. He has to play the big 12 teams. Maybe we're in a totally different dumpster fire right now, but we're, we're a year out of a college football playoff and we are a very desirable job. We're a very desirable team. Like you said, with a lot of money, with a lot going for it. I think there's a lot here for this program that's still left to be said. And I don't think that all of that has to be given credit to one coach. I think there's a lot, I think a lot of people overlook this granted. A lot of staff is leaving. A lot of players have shifted around, but I think a lot of people overlook like all of the success does not just happen because of Luke fickle. I think that's just so easy to identify. Sure. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of parts that you can attribute, but there are so many moving parts in a football program and the head coach, he may be the CEO, but at the end of the day, like it, it comes down to the players playing on the field. Do you have the right guys in the right system? Do you have all that? It doesn't matter if it's Luke Fickle. It needs to be the right guy with the right system who knows what he wants to do, who knows how to do it, and who knows how to recruit and take advantage of that. And if you've got a guy that can do that, I think the Bearcats are fine. I don't think it needs to be one of these things where you have to have the home run higher. Like you said, I think, I think it's, 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 it is risk adverse and it's comfortable. And this, he should be able to walk in walk into the big 12 and we should expect like, I think we should realistically expect an eight win season next year. I think that's realistic. I think, you know, it's going to be tough, but like, I think that should be our expectation in two years. We should expect to be, you know, up there competing for, you know, the conference championship at the end of the year. Maybe we're a game out, maybe we're the game in, but like with, by the time this thing hits three years in the big 12, I think Satterfield, you would expect if this is going to be successful is in the conference championship. And if you're in the conference championship in the big 12, you're probably going to the college football playoff with the expanded format. So, I mean, are those a little bit lofty expectations? Yes and no. I think there's so many things that are here to work for him. We've got him at a little bit of a deal compared to Luke fickle. When we got him signed for his extensions, he has seven and a quarter million dollars to hire staff. That is so much money. That is so much money to play with. And a lot of programs don't have that. And I think a lot of people aren't looking heavily enough into that. If he can hire and handpick every guy that he wants, this thing's going to get the ball rolling real fast. Yep. Yep. No, I agree. And uh, I, I think this next orders of business, like there's news coming in right now that he is bringing his O-line coach with him. We already learned that he's bringing his quarterbacks coach with him, who was a big recruiter in California learning that he's bringing his uh, DC with him from Louisville and uh, Louisville's defense was pretty good last year. So uh, I do think there is some reasons to be positive and, you know, I I think the next things for him are pretty clear. He's got to recruit obviously uh, the players, but he's also got to recruit 
guys like Kerry Combs, Walter Stewart, other Bearcats that are in the coaching ranks, maybe Mike Mickens, if you can get him to leave Notre yep. Dame. Like I know he's doing well with coach Freeman there, but like if you can get some of these guys to come down here and be a part of this, I don't know if Mike Mickens would leave for another DB's job. He already did that once right. here at UC. And so, you know, that's, that's wishful thinking. Maybe we can just move on, but uh, I think you got to get some guys here that are recruiting, are able to recruit Cincinnati still in this area, because the, the formula is the formula now. Like, you know, people will talk about how Wisconsin has a formula. UC has a formula. It's yeah. this 300 mile radius around the campuses of UC. We hit that area really hard and we just see what we can do. And, you know, like there's, there's some thoughts and there's some concerns there, like, but we just got to see it first. Uh, I was thinking about this too. Like, you know, Louisville has never traditionally recruited very well here. Like, you know, they've yeah. gotten a couple of dudes here and there for sure. But I, I never have really thought that like, you know, Louisville was a problem here stealing our recruits. Like they, they traditionally they've gone through Florida um, and like, you know, they've been, they've had to compete with Kentucky in the state. They've had to compete with Ohio state in the state. And like, so have we obviously. And now uh, here's a, a news break for you. We're probably going to have to be dealing with Wisconsin yep. uh, recruiting in this area and obviously Notre Dame uh, in this area. So there's a lot there, but I still think this is a place where uh, you can succeed here with those local guys. And I do think we are taking this big 12 thing, maybe a little bit to the head too much. I really don't think it has to be any more uh, difficult than just saying, you know, keep the base that we have this three lockdown, this state of Cincinnati that we all love so much and sprinkle in some extra guys in there. And like, obviously there's some connections there and, um, I also think it's important too that you know we donate to Cincy Reigns, donate to NIL, get get that NIL money in here because it is important now. Whether you like it or not, it is important, and kids are going to be interested in that. What do you have to say about that? And obviously, I think Scott, that's pro probably a pro for him over Luke is that you know like Coach Fick was mad that he was not getting recruits apparently because recruits were leaving for more money at other places and like newsflash that's kind of like what it's always been whether it was under the table or yeah. over the table whether it was in mcdonald's bags or in <laughs> pro straight actual like endorsement deals like it's always been that you know and yeah uh, i do think it's good to have a coach that is like interested in that so um i, I do want to get into some stats real quick but uh do you do you have any other more thoughts to add yeah i mean i think the last thing that i would really say here is kind of bouncing back to your point of just how heavily we're taking the whole big 12 move. I mean, I, I want to put this out there. Like think about how hard the Bearcats had to fight and claw to get respect playing the American schedule and how hard they had to fight to be in the top 25. You have to go, you have to be a nine 10 win team and you have to do it year over year over year to make the top 25 you go into the big 12 if you can start off like four and one you're probably a top 15 to 20 team hands down that's just out of your non-conference you get into conference play if you can win some of these games like i think i don't know i mean i i always say i don't want to put too much weight in it because i think the college football playoff how it's structured now with four teams it, it, it is what it is. You know, it's, you don't want to, you don't want to try to put too much weight into it, but I think 
going forward, like those rankings are going to matter. And I think your goal should be to be, like I said, be in the conference championship every year. That should be your goal. And I, I, he said this too, in his opening press conference, he's like, we want to come here and we want to compete for championships. That's what our goal is. We don't winning is fun. Winning is absolutely fun. And that's, that's what matters at the end of the day. And like, if you're going to set yourself up to succeed, being in this conference, playing against tougher opponents, playing against tougher opponents who will make you look better will also make your players look better. I want, I think people kind of overlook all the benefits of the big 12 and really just look at the schedule and get scared off really fast. I think there's so many benefits that like recruiting won't do itself, but recruiting will definitely benefit from this. Your your performance, your wins are going to look so much better in this conference. Your losses aren't going to look so bad as long as you're not getting blown out. If you're competing, if you have a, if you have a three point loss to an Iowa state who may have like an off year, like this year, you're like, well, I mean, it sucks. They really weren't that great, but it's not like having a three point loss to a USF, a three point loss to, you know, a, um, a Tulsa or something like that, where it's just like a middle of the pack G five team. Like the teams that you'll be winning and losing against are teams that are competing to play on that national stage. And I think that's where we, we've put so much weight into being scared of that. And I think we should just embrace that personally. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Um, so just want to read off some stats real quick. <laughs> the funny part is that uh, Louisville and Cincinnati will be playing each other. We did not know that uh, in our last <laughs> podcast. Uh, we're playing for the keg and nails and uh, we just stole their coach. So it's just uh, kind of funny how that works there. Um, so uh, the, I want to, read this off real quick. I'll, I'll be very quick with it. I know reading stats on a podcast <laughs> is just scintillating radio, but real quick points allowed per game, Cincinnati in 2022, 20.3 Louisville in 2022, 20.2 total yards uh, of points per game uh, scored by the offenses. UC 31.1 Louisville, 27.2 total yards. UC see 392 uh, Louisville, 405. Total yards allowed, uh, well, yards allowed, average, 328.5 for UC, 347.1 for Louisville. If he's able to bring 2022 UC and keep that same level, because if you listen, I know, I read numbers on a podcast, sorry. <laughs> and I've tweeted it out on my personal account if you want to go find it. But um, I, I do think if he keeps those defensive numbers the same, and obviously – I'm not as bullish about next year as, as you are, just because I do think it'll be a step up. And, you know, I do think we do have some talent, but just, it's just going to be a step up for one year at least. And like, maybe he can get some guys on the portal, maybe get some real dudes in the recruiting and maybe it's really not, I'm expecting more of a drop off. Um, But still, if he's able to keep those same numbers that he had at Louisville and like a, you know, look, ACC was fine this year. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It wasn't as really bad as it was before, but you know, there was some ups and there was some downs. He did lose a couple bad games, but he won a couple good games that this year at Louisville as well. Like they were in the college football playoff rankings at one point right behind UC. Um, so if you think about, you know, 2022 UC, what were the things we knew about that team? We knew and well, this team, cause they still have one more game to play. They were a pretty good defensive team. They were an all right offensive team. 
Now you're bringing in an offensive guy with an already good defensive core and bringing his defensive coordinator over with him who was able to coach those guys and have basically the same numbers in a power five league. I do think there's some upside there. If Satterfield can really build that offense. Now it depends on if he can get a quarterback and if he can re-recruit Evan Prater to stay and Evan, like, you know, I don't know if listeners or Justin, you've watched any Louisville highlights since he got the job, but their guy, Malik Cunningham, he's a pretty good mobile quarterback who's yep. able to throw and run a lot. And I think that system does a lot for Evan. Um, you know, I listened to a bunch of his, uh, Coach Satterfield's interviews on Monday as well. Really prides himself on having tight ends. <laughs> Who produces more tight ends here than the yep. you know, tight end you? So I do think there are some reasons to be optimistic. And I think it's really as simple as, you know, this fan base is well, is never going to agree that this was a good or bad hire. And I think that's a fine thing because clearly, like, people like Tommy Tomerville at the time and thought, yeah, finally, a coach that will stay. And look at how that turned out. So yeah. um, I do think that there's some room for optimism here. Uh, and I do think if he can bring, bring over some more of his staff, keep, I think the, the two most important things is to keep both Kerry Combs and Walter Stewart. Obviously, if you can't keep them, really got to pride yourself on finding somebody else who was like indelible in the UC community and is able to recruit in this local Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, like Southeastern Indiana area, because it's so important for our program. So I do think there's some level of optimism there. I'm a data analyst, so I'm reading numbers. That's what (laughs) I see. And like, that's what I'm thinking about. And I, I I do think like there's a lack of motivation there for coach fickle this year as well as like, you know, he basically just, not to say he mailed it in, but he was basically coasting and like he coasted us to a nine and three record, obviously in the AAC had a couple one score wins there, but still, I I do think that, you know, there, there is some expectations for sure for coach Satterfield, but think about this too, Justin, the win streak is gone. You don't have to uh, worry about that. You're moving up to a bigger league. So you don't really have to worry about the Miami. If Miami beats us, that's a whole another conversation later. (laughs) Um, you're also moving up to a league with UCF and Houston teams who you know and who you've been able to compare yourself with in the conference recently. And you are out on an island in a Texas-based conference, but like we haven't been in a conference that has fit our geographical footprint since the Big 12 dissolved, you know? And like yep. there, you know, there's like, I, I don't know like why that's such a big deal to people. And I'm not one to tell insiders more than what they know, but to me, it's as simple as we've always been in a league other than the big, big East where we are kind of on a geographical Island and, you know, the damn big 10 won't take us in. So we got to <laughs> do what we got to do. And I really think it's as simple as we don't have other teams in our conference competing. We just have obviously people we know, you know, like all those big 10 schools, Notre Dame, Kentucky recruiting this area, recruiting Ohio. If he can lock down some of that and sprinkle some guys in, I really think this doesn't have to be doom and gloom. I think there is some yep. room for optimism. Yeah. Well, and this is one thing I want to kind of point out too. Um, you know, if you look at their schedule from this year, I want to, I want to go through some games because there's actually a couple common opponents here. UCF, they played on the road and they won by six. We did not beat UCF this year. South Florida, they had at home. We also had USF at home. What was our scoreline? Like 28 to 24, something like that. 
and we, you know, clutched our pearls for the entire second half of that game. They won 41 to three. Like if, if we're looking at like, you know, every team's going to have different formulations. Every game is going to be a little weird and a little different, but USF is a team that you should be beating 41 to three in the circumstances of how they played. We coasted through that game. It was not great. We, we had it on cruise control and we were hoping that we didn't crash in the car in front of us. UCF, we should, we should have beat them, but we didn't. And, and, and if Satterfield could figure out a way to beat two common opponents there, I think that's great. On top of that, he beat number 10 Wake Forest, bludgeoned number 10 Wake Forest, mind you. It was 48 to 21. That was a doozy of a game. It really was. It really was. There was like the, granted, that was probably the largest offensive collapse and probably the biggest defensive prowess game you could possibly imagine. There was like six picks in a, in a quarter or something like that. It was crazy. But regardless, that's a defense. Maybe that inflates the stats. So I don't know if that helps our argument or hurts it. But, um, and then you, you know, they lose to a number 10 Clemson, but they keep it within, you know, uh, what, two scores. Um, and then you go and play NC State, and they got a win there. So they got another ranked win. Look at how we've performed against ranked teams as of late. We lost to Tulane, ranked team, goodbye. We lost to Arkansas, ranked team, goodbye. UCF, I don't think, was ranked, but they got ranked right after. And they were, what, like a, they were like 30th, I think, technically, in rankings going into that. So I would say they're not a ranked team, but they're close enough. So you could count that one. You go back to last season, you have Alabama, you lost to them. And then you go, you know, 13-0, you jump to another season before that, you have Georgia, you lose to them. And it like, we just don't have a good track record against ranked teams. Already, in, in just looking at this, there's two wins against two ranked teams. That's more than Fick had in three years. Like, yep. that, honestly, like, I know that's, I know that's just sounds like really stupid to compare, but at the same time, like, that has been such a big problem that our team has faced is when we face a difficult team, we don't, we're not prepared or we just can't figure out a way to win in the end. I mean, it, you, you know, the Tulane game is a three-point game. You go to, you have Alabama of last year. That's always going to be difficult, of course, but you're a 13-0 team. You you beat everybody. You might not have convincingly beat every single team, but you beat everybody. You should be able to go there and score a freaking touchdown. Like, I mean, I don't know what it is, but I, I hope that some of those issues that we've seen that I think we've just, we let fix slide on, Maybe we can afford to be a little bit more, you know, hard hard asses about it when it when it comes to Satterfield. I think that you should expect to beat ranked teams. If you want to be a big dog, you have to play the big dogs, and to play the big dogs, you got to find a way to beat them. And I, I'm I'm just tired of this. Always like we've had this conversation for so long. It's like it's 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 not any fun to watch us win close games against American teams it really isn't any fun to beat American teams. And then you, you, you get into a bowl game and then you lose. How many bowl games have we won in the past four years? What was the last uh, one that one. we won? The Birmingham bowl. So like, yeah. it's, it's, it's one of those things. Like you look at his bowl record four and one, like it, it's, it, it, I, I just, I don't, I think there's so much more here that people are not looking at like on the surface is like that he's proven that he's been able to do. And he did a really good job at app state granted people can give that as much or as little credit as they want to, but he, he helped makes that make sure that program was ready to rise in the ranks. And then, you know, is able to go to a job like this and then now able to come to a job like Cincinnati. I 
think there's a lot to be optimistic about. And I think everybody just wants to be so pessimistic. And I'm really just sick of that shit, man. Like it's, it's, we, we are a good program. We should have high expectations. Sure. This may not be like we've, you know, mentioned the home run higher, but shit, when has any hire that we've made been a home run hire? And, and look how often it's worked out. Why, why would this be any different? Yeah. You've got the big 12, but okay. Now you've got the big 12 with a shit ton more money and a shit ton more going for your team coming off of a college football playoff. Like you couldn't say those things five years ago. You couldn't say those things, you know, 10 years ago, you you had to beat up the big East when it, then it dissolved. Like, I think there's so much yeah. more going for this team. And if you want to be a pessimist, be a pessimist, but the only person that you're going to be disappointing is yourself. I, the way I look at it going into next season, like I said, I'm expecting to win and I hope to be not disappointed, but if I am disappointed, I know that that comes with the trials and tribulations, but like yeah. you shouldn't just go in expecting to man next year is going to suck because when it does, it's just going to make you like we talked about with our role plot pod guys, it's going to make you apathetic. It's this yeah. fan base is going to become apathetic real fast. If you always expect to lose and you always expect things to go shitty. And then once it goes, doesn't go your way, you're going to become a fair weather fan. And I think we had a lot of that this year. And I really, I'm just, I'm sick of it, man. I'm sorry. That was a long rant, but it's just the negativity around this program, the negativity, even around the higher out the gates. I think it was very mixed, but I, I think it's just, everybody just wants to complain about something, man. And it's, find something to be happy about. There's so much yeah. in this program. And I think it's just so we're so fast to find the first thing to complain about. That's all we did this year. And I hope that's not what we do next year. Yep. No, I completely agree. Uh, I just wanted to bring up one more tweet before we closed it out. Um, but you know, I think there's something that we got to think about here with, you know, just how we approach this, this job too. And, you know, I think a lot of people were panning this hire just because, you know, it wasn't like the exact like coach that we, you know, we got. And it, like, it wasn't like exactly what everybody wanted. But, you know, like this fan base was getting into conniptions about like Sean Lewis or Gino Gadouli. Like, you know, it's just so frustrating about like how, you know, we can work ourselves up over a program that has basically been pretty self-sustained, you know. Yeah. And I just... I don't know. I don't see the reasoning why like we just like are so negative all the time. And I don't know. It's just so frustrating, but like, yeah, well, um, I, I just want to say this real fast with this head coaching job. Like I think so many people overlook this, no matter who you put in there, if you put Scott Satterfield in there, if you put a Sean Lewis in there, if you put a Gino Gadulli in there, that coach is set up to succeed. Like you said, you're handing yeah. them the keys to the car. Like it's, it's all they have to do is just keep it rolling. That's the, yep. and that, yes, that is a much more difficult task than it sounds than why I'm making it sound, but like they, all of the pieces are there and I don't see why hiring any coach would, whoever that is, would not be put in a position to succeed. Yeah. So, I mean, until it happened, until we get to the point where it's like, all right, this thing's really tanking why get so caught up in it? Like, I mean, why, yeah. why should we expect that this guy couldn't perform anything better than Luke fickle did this year against the American? If you put him in yeah. charge of this team in the American, maybe he's a little more focused. Who knows? Because it didn't yeah. feel like we had it this year. Yeah. But the, the thing I was going to bring up was that, 
you know, you got to think about this next year. Like, I mean, we are a playoff team, but we do have like 50% of our roster is gone from that playoff team. You know, all that, all those contributors are gone. And it's true. There's no reason in saying that we can't do it again and we're just going to have to recruit again. But I, I do think this is a fresh start for, for Satterfield. And I, I do think this is a chance for him to say, take advantage of a, a situation that's fully aligned, a situation that's not a tire fire, a situation where, you know, and if he le- tries to leave again in two years, like he proves himself to be, you know, what he is. But like, he's he's our guy now. And you got to ride behind our guy. Like, I just... I really think that the perfect coach for this program is Luke Fickle. He's not there anymore. You try and get someone who's the best possible candidate, you get Satterfield. And I do think he checks some boxes, P5 experience. He had all that great success at, at App State. I do think there's a chance that he can be good here, but damn man, like, like give him a, at least a recruiting cycle and a, a season and a, just a, give him a chance to support him and support these guys support the, the players, you know, like the yeah. players are the most important thing. here. So that's my would, final word. That's all I have to say. I would say the last thing that I have to say for people who, again, cause I, I think there's just so much sort of not to be keywording this, but fear mongering about the big 12. I would just like to say this much, look at TCU this year and look at TCU last year, TCU last year down on their luck. Wasn't making a bowl game. It, it, that's that's the state of their program. They get a new head coach in, sure, maybe high riding high on some coattails there, and you know coming off of a better season. They go they go twelve and one, going into going into the college football playoff. What that tells me is not anything about Sonny Dykes. It doesn't tell me anything about TCU as a program. What it tells me is that the Big Twelve is volatile because the year before Baylor was in the conference championship. Look at Baylor this year. Teams ebb and flow in this conference, and I think we're not going to be any different than any of those teams. And I think that we're, like I said, set up in a good position that we could come in swinging. And if we don't, we could come in swinging in a year or two or three or four. Like it, there, there's always a potential for us to succeed in this conference because it is a competitive conference. It is a dogfight kind of conference, but it's one where we can succeed because we have all of the tools there. And we have a diehard fan base. Just stick with it for a little bit guys like it's gonna it, it might be rough but we don't know yet it what what if we had to prove that you know other than this year sure we lost a couple of the games that we shouldn't have and we could probably blame that on a coach who wasn't focused and is gone now but okay we got a flat we, we got a clean slate going into this conference take advantage of it and yep. don't be so disappointed for something that you have literally nothing to be disappointed about and the, yep. the, the bowl game if we win it, if we lose it, you'd hope that you win it. If you win it, I don't see how anybody could complain. Just all you have <laughs> to be is excited for next year. If you lose it, blame it on Luke Fickle. That's that's my judgment for how this whole rest of the season can wrap up. That is that is the final word there. <laughs> so yep. unless you got anything else, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Hopefully those Bearcats will take advantage in the Wasabi Bowl. Uh, we'll probably get a little bit more coverage going into that uh, once we get closer to the game. Um But with all that said, thank you guys for listening this week. We've kind of got a lot if you've listened to the uh, Roblox pod as well. Crosstown crossover. But again, um, we'll see what happens. But try to stay positive, folks. Nothing to worry about. Hey, just want to say this real quick. Xavier still sucks in all of this. (laughs) Xavier still sucks. Let's get a win, Bearcats. Come on. Let's go.